this is Mental Maps, a podcast about navigating the mind. My name is Dr. John Waddell. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, mental health counselor, and host of this show. The content of this show is focused on creating a better understanding about the mind and how you can achieve optimal well-being. Welcome back to Mental Maps. As always, I hope this finds you well, no matter what season that you're in. Um, we're recording this at the beginning of the year, and so I think a lot of people are in a season of change or making new goals and whatever that looks like. And today I have somebody who I think can really elevate whatever goal, whatever you're working on, whatever behavior you're trying to change. And that is really America's super trainer, Justin Crutchfield. Justin, welcome, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Glad to be on the podcast, man. It's, it's a blessing. It's an honor. When I was when I was deciding to make a podcast a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I, Chelsea, were kind of going through like who would be on your podcast, and you were like the guy. That was the first person I, I wanted on here, primarily because of all the work you've done with her and just kind of seeing the work you used to do in the gym. I was like, people need to know what you do. If you don't follow him on Instagram, we'll talk about that in a minute. But right. just the knowledge and the wisdom you share, I think, can be very helpful for a lot of people trying to create any change in their life, not only just for their brain. Absolutely. Now, so, uh yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, just to kind of get it going, who is Justin Crutchfield? Well, everybody know me as being a personal trainer from Nashville. We're in the Nashville area, um, born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I was displaced by Hurricane Katrina years ago. And that's what brought me back to that's what brought me in Tennessee, Nashville. And um, now I like to see myself as a as a peak performance coach um, because my my whole initial mission statement is to get people to take massive action. And I have principles and I have strategies in place on how a person can really prime themselves, prime their mind, condition their mind, recondition their nervous system for them to take uh, the necessary actions that they know they need to be taken. Because I know that that's been one of the challenges for the vast majority. People know what to do, but they can't quite get themselves to do what they know. They can't quite get themselves to take the necessary action and close that gap between where they are now in life and we want to be in life. And that's where I come in. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. Absolutely. And so I think that kind of opens the door. We're just kind of jump into it. So I know oh, yeah. you're, I'm sure you're in it. All these people kind of right coming in. We're all places like we're going to create new changes, new, new you. You're motivated and you're excited. For you, where does motivation come from as a trainer one? Um, motivation, when we say motivation, motivation is a state. Motivation is only motives to action. And with strong enough motives, it'll allow us to take the necessary action. That's all motivation is. And a person having a strong enough reason why in the first place, um, knowing exactly what it is they want to do, exactly what it is they want to achieve, what they're committing to having. But it has to be strong enough, not just anything. I'm my whole thing is, um, I don't care what you want. I don't care what you need. I don't care what you should have or what you should be doing. I care what you're committing to having, what you're committed to being, having, and doing. I think that's the separation. That's the distinction for, for us to take the, the necessary actions in the first place, that initial action. And when we're talking about change, um, change is never a matter of ability. It's always a matter of motivation. Motivation gets you started. It's commitment that keeps us going, mm -hmm. committed to, to, to practicing the, the small disciplines daily, the commitment to do what's necessary. It's, it's that commitment that allows us to do whatever it takes. And commitment is, that's exactly what it is. It's doing whatever it takes to get, to achieve a particular thing. Where do you see people's motivation come from? I know for me, like when they come and see me in clinic or whatever, that looks like more times done well and things are going on where do you see motivation come from in your world and kind of how do you magnify that for people it's different for everyone um there's some people motivation comes from external sources mm -hmm. um, they maybe they want a car maybe they want the house you know what i mean maybe they want the the financial freedom but here's what i learned over the years that whatever it is Whatever you want to move towards, it's a state, a certain state you want to achieve because freedom is a state. We want to feel mm. like we have freedom. And a person who has a car, why do they want that car, a Lamborghini, Ferrari, whatever the case may be? Maybe they want to feel more significant. Maybe they want to feel more in power. That's why they want the money. 
but it's not the it's not the the, the material itself that's going to create the happiness. They want a certain state. They want to move from where they are right now and achieve a different state of mind, a different emotional state and mental state. So that's what I noticed as well. And with the motivation that I usually come across, um, I'm really digging down deep. I'm digging, getting down deep into their whys. I mean, if they say they want something, I'm asking a question. Why do you want it in the first place? What is it going to do? What, what is it going to create for you if you didn't have it or if you did have it? And that's the thing I definitely want to make clear first with a with a person that's coming, you know what I mean, that I'm I'm in a consultation with. Like I really want them to be clear on exactly what they what they want and why they want it. And um so, that the reason why. Yeah. So what I hear in that is it's motivation is really more than just like I, I want a home or I want a car, I want a six-pack, or I want a I want a girlfriend. It's a state of mind. It's something yeah. that you're wanting to see. You want freedom or you're wanting love or you're wanting peace. And and so the behaviors you're trying to elevate, whatever that behavior may be, that is what's going to get you closer to that state of mind or that state in your environment, really. And when we're talking about behavior, I mean, that's that's what um, a lot of people is dominated by, the behavior. Um, behavior forms habits. Habits gets us our results and form mm -hmm. a lifestyle. But what's the driving force behind behavior? What drives behavior? That is emotional states. I'll prove to you. How do a person behave when they're in a state of depression, when they're feeling depressed? How do a person behave when they're feeling absolutely joy, when they're feeling gratitude? How do a person behave when they're overwhelmed, when they're feeling anxiety? They move, they, they use their body, it's totally different. The actions that they take are totally different. If I was to take two different people, one is in a state of depression, one is in a state of, of, of courage. What kind of potential do you think they'll be able to tap into? Mm. Totally two different types of potential. How much action will they take? They will take two different types of action. The person who's depressed probably won't take as much action as the person who's feeling courageous, feeling like they can achieve whatever it is, whatever the task at hand may be. So emotional states determines our behavior. Behavior forms habits. Habits gives us our results. So we've got these behaviors and we're creating these habits as we kind of back it down. You've got these people, you got anyone, we all are in this place, right? Like, I mean, it's all the same. I mean, whether you're trying to stop using drugs, whether you're trying to, you know, be a better husband, be a better father, be a better mother, be a better you know, son, whatever that looks like, it's all the same thing, you know, get a six pack, you know, do more cardio, whatever. You're trying to create some kind of change in your life. And so how do you get yourself and, and all of us, how do you believe that we get from this motivational state of knowing we want this like mindset or this experience to what, we, what you consider massive action? Why do we do what we do as humans? What's the driving force behind human behavior? I mean, and this is, this is us understanding human behavior on the most fundamental level. The, this is the foundation to understanding human behavior. Is pain and pleasure. Hmm. I would need to avoid pain and I would desire to gain pleasure. And I'll prove it to you. Let's take the person who smokes. Do you think that person is smoking with the intention to cause cancer in the body? I highly doubt that. They're smoking to get out of their current pain. And that pain may be stress. Hmm. Whatever state they're in, they want to move out of that pain, out of that feeling, and they want to move towards pleasure. And it's the smoking that gives them that pleasure. It's the smoking that allows them to really shift their emotional state. So the pain and pleasure principle is what drives human behavior. Now, when we're talking about pain and pleasure, let's take that same, and, and I gotta use myself as an example as well. When I put that fucking gun in my mouth, my intention behind doing that wasn't to create more pain in my life. No, I was, my intention was to get out of my current circumstances. I associated more pain to living without purpose, more pain to living without meaning, more pain to living without knowing exactly what I'm supposed to do because I'm so energized, all of this energy, so much passion, but nowhere to put it into exactly. So that energy just dissipates in the world. So without that kind of drive, without that kind of direction, I was looking to really end my life because I found more pleasure and not living anymore. So that was my reason why I put the gun in my mouth in the first place and contemplated suicide. 
Yeah. And I was going to backtrack a little bit. So to kind of go within your own life, you had this experience where and I know a little bit of the story where you just got to a place where you were not feeling well, you were unwell and yeah. got to that place of it was easier to die than it was to live. Yeah. And so could you share a little bit about that experience for you and kind of coming out of that? The night before, um, this is the day before I actually put the gun to my mouth. It's, I don't know the exact thing because I don't I don't kind of relive it. I don't even go back to it, you know what I mean, mentally so often. This is my first time probably going back to it in, in yeah. such a time. And uh, but I know it, the day before it all happened, um, I was just feeling some way. I was I asked God, I told God, I'm ready to come to you. I'm ready. Like I didn't know exactly what I should be doing. And I'm a man of purpose, I'm a man of meaning. And like I said, with so much passion and energy. And I didn't know exactly where to put it. For me, that is what I associate massive pain to. Because now you can see on my Instagram, when I found my meaning, when, I'm, when I found my purpose, because I'm living, living in meaning right now, you know exactly the kind of energy that I exude. You know the passion, you know what I mean, that I speak with. And on my voice, my facial expression, my demeanor. So now I know exactly where to put it. I have a driving force. I know the direction where it needs to go. But... um. Did you have that? Did you have that passion and that energy also at that time? So you're in this place of like, I don't even know where I want to go, what I want to do, but the energy's still here. I'm not walking, I'm not laying in bed all day long. I'm like, you're not in that place of a depressive state. You have that energy. You just have no purpose. Exactly. And for me, that that's massive pain. That's what I associate massive pain to. And uh, I told I, I told God I'm ready to come to you. So the next morning, and of course that night, I'm crying, bald like bawling out in tears for I don't know what, what what reason just because I'm I'm ready to go so the next morning I spent my last about 300 maybe 365 dollars at the the nearest pawn shop and I bought a gun and um forgot exactly what kind of gun it was but I brought it back home and I was in the car before I got out the car to go inside I was playing with the gun putting the gun in my mouth um putting the putting the the, the bullets in a, in a in a clip bringing them back out, just playing with it. And I remember when I went back inside, um, I started to write my my note. And uh, I'm talking about tears dripping on the paper. Like, I'm, I'm really ready. And that note was primarily for my mother. I mean, that was, I mean, that was the only person at the time that I was, um, I was worried about as far as her finding me and her seeing me and her hearing about me. At the time, I think that was my, my main focus. It was my mom. So I text a few people, mainly my ex at the time, and I let her know, um, I let her know to, to let my mom, no, I let her know to call the, the cops or, or call someone. And oh, what did I tell my ex? I think I told my ex to call someone because I'm about to commit suicide and let them know that they could find me in the car. Because at the time, I didn't want to do it in the house because my mother would come home at the time and she might see me. And for me, I definitely didn't want that. I didn't want her last memory or last, you know what I mean, to, to really see me with my head tilted back because I was going to pull it up. I, I put it in my mouth, blame splattered on the wall. I didn't want her to see me like that. So I told her to let someone know they could find me in the car. I was going to do it in the car. Now, before I went in the car, still writing the note at the time, and I already done texting her. That's when I hear about this is about 20 minutes later. I, I hear like knocking at the door, boom, 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 boom. And I'm talking about once I open the door, I mean, police just bum rush me. And I mean, where's the gun? I mean, damn, they ain't asked to come in anything. Like they really like stormed into the house. There's fire, fire trucks, ambulances outside, everything. And um, that's what kind of that's what that's what stopped the 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 whole thing from going down. But one would argue that if I was if I was truly committed, I would have done it without without texting anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, thank you for sharing that. I know that's a heavy experience, man. And I think something just to highlight as we kind of unpack that a little bit, that's such a great example of if, if you know someone who's unwell, just because they're not laying in bed all day and depressed and and like going around and crying all the time, that doesn't mean they're not unwell. So we talk a lot about it on this podcast where if you, if you're unwell or you know, somebody that's unwell, man, reach out, be talking to them, see what's up, be that person, have that open communication line, because you could be that person that gets that conversation going of like, Hey man, you know what? I'm not feeling too well today. I, you know, I did buy a gun today. 
that kind of stuff. And man, that's that's a powerful example of what that looks like. Absolutely. Um, no, no, you're absolutely right. Now, it was, you know, I always say God intervened. You know, I mean, I couldn't be more right about that. That's that's my belief on that. I mean, when I'm looking back, the only thing that kind of gets me stirred up inside when I'm thinking about that is not the not the act of committing suicide itself, but the knowing that everything that I've accomplished, all the lives that I've touched up until this point, none of that shit would be possible. Like this, yeah. none of this would have happened. This Absolutely. would be in like this would be disappeared. None of this would would be like, you know what I mean, in this in this manifested state right now. None of it. And so, you know, in that place, you, you know, you talked about that absence of purpose. So you come out of that. When do you find that purpose? When does that click that, you know, hey, I've got this energy, I got this motivation, I got this fire. When for you did it shift to this massive action of doing something besides just sitting there not knowing where to go? So I got into boxing. Um my my mom's ex at the time, he was a professional fighter. And um, with a lot of pain that I was going through inside of me, that's one of my driving forces is pain. I mean, I have pain and it's love inked on me for a reason. That's my driving force. So at the time I wanted to fight and I was real, like I was real, real committed about doing it. Like I really wanted to box. So I really got into boxing and took it up until maybe weeks prior to my first amateur fight. And I had a retina detachment. And that's how that's what ended the whole journey of um, fighting and wanting to pursue boxing. But in that time, I was at the gym, um, just got finished training, and there was a guy by the name of Ambrose LeBurrow. He was one of the managers at the gym that I was training at at the time. He always seen me come in working out. Like, I mean, it's, it's undeniable that my drive in the gym, I mean, I'm always by myself, focused, not talking to no one. And I mean, the, the work ethic is undeniable. He's seen it and he pulled me aside one day as I was walking out of the gym. Um, he, he asked me, oh, would you ever consider being a personal trainer? I was like, man, I, I love training. And um, that's when he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to go get certified. And um, I'll give you a certain amount of time. He, I forgot how much time he gave me, but he was holding me accountable to say the least. And um, I took the necessary action. And long story short, I got certified and he recommended a book to me. And from that point on, that's when I took things to the next level. That book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm. Now, once I read that, everything kind of, it kind of escalated from there. Everything shifted from there because that one book left other clues for my next reading. And that next reading left clues to my, my, my next seeking of information you know what i mean so i mean it, kind of, it, it was leaving clues like every success book that i've read it left clues on what to do next what to do next and i kind of I, I followed that i followed in other people's footsteps modeling other people who've done it before me some of the greats in the world and man everything shifted from there so i could definitely say my purpose was found in in my darkest moments and did that transition from like, cause you know, you're talking about you're in boxing, you love pain, you're in pain. You got that drive. You got that. When does it shift from I am seeking pain or I, I enjoy pain or pain is my motivator to this whole new world of reading books and kind of being in this place of a success mindset rather than a pain mindset. I wasn't necessarily seeking pain. I mm -hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't go as far as saying I was seeking pain, but I know. I know how the pain itself has a way of driving me. I mean, outside of the, the, the situation with me wanting to take my life, I mean, outside of that, every other painful moment that I've been through, like it was a driving force for me. I mean, you look at some of the greats in this world. I mean, when they're back against the wall, that's when they, they took some of the most courageous acts. And I mean, when they, when they was forced to, when they had no other choice at that point. So, that's when I noticed that I'm at my best when when the pain is is kind of at a high level in my life. And so I, pain's that reminder. Pain's kind of that alarm of like, hey, something's happening here. Like, I, it, I need to be doing something. It, it can be a reminder. It, no, you know, you're right. It is a reminder that something needs to change. Maybe that you know, what I mean, there, there needs to be some kind of change. Maybe change in approach, change in mindset, whatever the case may be. But there's something that needs to change. Something is not right. And yes. It, 
pain has a way of a, of, of being a, an alarming. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, if we're talking about for, you know, kind of generalizing it because everybody's different, but you've got all, you got people. And as people, we have these motivators and we're really motivating, trying to find certain states, trying to find these experiences. But within that, how we know we don't have it, there's some kind of pain. There's an absence. There's like, man, I really wish I had that. Or man, I feel really alone. Or man, I feel unloved. Or man, I have that. And so I'm looking for the counter to that. Mm-hmm. And that pain, the pain is kind of the motivator for a lot of people. Um, Absolutely, it is. And like I said, human behavior is driven by pain and pleasure. Um, But we do more as humans to avoid pain. Now, for instance, um, let's look at Let's look at an alcoholic. Let's let's take anyone, for example, um, a person that wants to achieve something in particular and what's stopping them from doing it. Now, if I was to, if there's a, a certain behavior that's keeping them from reaching that goal, what I would have to do, and this is a strategy, what I would have to do is link massive pain to my current behavior. And how do I link massive pain to my current behavior? I would have to really visualize and it has to be real within you. Visualize the worst case scenario, the, the possible outcome that this behavior will lead to if I continued it. And I have to associate massive pain to that possible outcome. And I have to associate pleasure to the change. Mm-hmm. Pleasure to changing this behavior. Because in this change, if I was to change this behavior, this is what it will lead to. Now I have to become, I have to become real pain or associate massive pain to my current behavior and massive pleasure to my new behavior, the new act. So that's one of the main things. Um, and I mean, there's, there's no change that can be done without the pain and pleasure principle. I mean, pain is, is such a driving force, man. But, and, and when I say pain, we don't actually have to experience pain itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, it's the fear of what pain could lead to. That's what we that's what we fear the most. Not pain itself, because I don't want to say we have to wait till we experience the pain physically. Yeah, we don't have to be David Goggins and just beat ourselves to death and kind of be in that place. Exactly. But it's the fear of, you know, what I mean, of, of of the of what it could lead to. It's the, I mean, that's the that's the best way I can put it. So what I hear in that is if you're looking to take that first step and change from the motivation to the behavior, you've got to examine this pain pleasure principle and, and shift from things that are making me pleasurable to knowing what things are going to make me bring me pain and making that alternative pleasurable. First, we want to we want to become real clear on what we want and why we want it. I mean, that's the first step. I mean, and that's yeah. a okay. step towards the attain anything. We want to know, we want to become real clear on what we want and why we want it. What exactly are we committing to having? That's first first and foremost. The second thing, and it's something that I, I preach daily with everyone, we have to raise our standards. And our standards are musts. Our musts, because we don't get our wants. We don't always get our needs. We don't always get our goals. But we get our musts. And when we're mm. talking about standards, we're talking about we're talking about the thing that you won't will no longer accept in your life. Standards, we're talking about the thing you will no longer tolerate in your life. When we're talking about standards, we're talking about a constant demanding more of yourself. Standards, we're talking about what you aspire to becoming. And then we decide to become it. We decide to do it. Then after the standards, we have to have an empowering set of beliefs. Because if you don't believe that you can meet those standards in the first place, You've already self-sabotaged yourself. You won't even start the process towards change. Yeah. So we have to have empowering beliefs in place. When we're talking about belief, I mean, it's, that's the holy grail of, of, of success and achievement, the, the power of belief. The power of belief, you can, you can really tap into deeper capacities within yourself. With that state of belief, you can turn the impossible to possible. In that state of belief, you can do things you never even imagined. You never even think that you could do before. And it's in that state that we're able to, to do things and we're able to take the necessary actions. Now, but there's three core beliefs. One core belief is that it must change. My behavior must change. My eating habits must change. My spending habits must change because I want to create final financial freedom, but God damn it, I keep spending. It must change. Now, the second 
core belief. And of course, when we're talking about the awareness that it must change, I mean, that's the key thing. We have to have awareness first. Mm -hmm. So the second core belief is um, I must be the one to change it. I have a lot of people that just sit back and wait for someone to come, to come save them. That's not going to happen. See, somebody training with me, if I'm giving you a protocol to follow, of course I'll hold you, uh, uh, hold you accountable. But don't have the belief that, Justin, it's all on you to really get me to my goal. Like once I give you that nutrition plan, you have to have the belief that, you know what? It's on me from here. I have to follow through. I have to really execute what he's given me. And it's all on me to do it. There's no one coming to save me. There's no rescue boats, none of that shit. And that's the belief that I must have. I must be the one to change it. Third belief is I will change it. Now, I will says it's absolutely certain that it's getting done. Now I'm in a state of certainty. It's already done within me. In that state of certainty, now we're able to take the necessary actions because now we actually believe within us. It's real within us. It's not just uh, believing that, oh, I, I should do it or I could do it. No, I will do it. I mean, that's the ultimate state to be in, a state of certainty. And that's a higher state than belief itself. Certainty says it's already done. Mm. Now, after having those core beliefs, then we want to gain leverage. And this is the fourth step. Gaining leverage is utilizing the pain and pleasure principles. Now I want to associate massive pain to my current behavior. And I want to I want to associate pleasure to a new behavior uh, of the outcome of where it would lead me, of my life totally changing, you know, I me mean, as a result from it. I mean, it's the it's the most it's the foundation to understanding human behavior when we talk about pain and pleasure. Um, and then the, the last step, we have to really uh, we have to find an alternative, an, an empowering alternative, because if I was to say link massive pain to your smoking and cut it out. Now this person's not going to have anything to replace that with. And now he's probably going to go into massive eating or uh, doing something else that's destructive, yeah. but yeah. something that's one of, that, that he want to get out of pain from. So he might find a destructive way of doing it. Mm -hmm. See, the thing about it is the whole pain scenario, if you don't find it out, the empowering alternative, yes, you could, you know what I mean? You can get yourself out of pain by smoking, but the smoke is going to create something long-term that's even bigger, that's even worse. It's going to create cancer within the body. That person that's drinking, yes, they have a positive intent. Their intent is, you know what? I want to move towards pleasure. I want to get myself feeling better in some way, shape, or form. So I'll drink. But if we relied on that, the drinking can turn disempowering because it can lead to worse things. So we have to find an, an empowering alternative. And when I, I explained this one time, this whole concept to my client, and he came up with the most beautiful interpretation. Um, he said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit, he said, avoiding pain when empowering solutions aligns us with pleasurable outcomes. And that's exactly what you're doing. Avoiding pain with empowering solutions aligns us with pleasurable outcomes. So we have to find that real empowering solution, that empowering alternative to whatever it is that you know you need to cut out. So say, for instance, that person started going to the gym because he wanted to shift the states. He wanted to get into a different emotional state. Now, the gym is one way. It's the most underutilized antidepressants there is. The gym, that lifestyle itself. Now, that person is going to find exactly what they want. They'll be able to shift their states, change their physiology, be able to shift their focus, get into a, a clearer state of mind, that prominent mind, prominent body, an elevated state of mind, elevated emotional state, all from the gym, all from that empowering alternative. And then after that, we have to take massive action. I mean, there's, there's so many strategies out here. There's so many people providing information and motivation, but only a handful will actually do what's necessary. The majority won't. Mm, it's powerful. And what, man, what I hear in that there's such a huge shift that happens. So I, th I think so many people, they wake up one day and they're like, man, I want to make this change. Or maybe they have a lot going on. They want to make this change, but there's a lot that's got to happen before you walk into the gym. Now you may walk into the gym, but then to maintain that there's a lot that's got to happen. You're talking about four key principles. That's a huge mind shift. 
more than just like, man, I would like to get a six pack of abs or man, I don't want to feel sad anymore. Or man, I want to be a better husband or man. I don't want to yell at my kids anymore. Like these kind of things. I mean, we all have these goals, but what I'm hearing in that is you've got to change your belief system. You've got to change where your view about yourself. You don't have to like yourself, but you at least got to realize you can do it. And then you've got to move forward. This is a, a total paradigm shift, a total paradigm shift. And when I'm talking about standards, our identity is attached to standards. And when I'm talking about standards, I'm talking about who you surround yourself with is a, is a reflection of your standards. Your body is a reflection of your standards. Mm. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. This is, when I'm looking in that mirror, I'm, I'm looking at my standard. This is, will I, this is the point at which I will accept and tolerate how I look. But then I noticed that, okay, if I have, if my standard says I need to have four abs, six abs, whatever, a six pack, whatever the case may be. As soon as I start to see that fourth one, I mean, that the, the, the damn bottom lower half start to fade, at that point, I'm saying, okay, that's unacceptable. Now I must get it back. That's my standard. So for, I mean, that's, a, that's our identity. We associate and attach our identity to our standards. Well, it's so important that you change your belief and that you can do it, right? You know, there's that theory about saving and saving in finances and how people will save up until how they believe they're worth. So you'll see people who say, I'm going to save to $10,000 and they'll get $10,000 and at $10,000, they're done. And so they go to 12 and look at their bank account. They'll spin down to 10 because that's what they feel like they're worth. I think the body's very similar. If I don't feel like my body's worth anything, then I may work out a little bit, but I'm only going to work out to how worthy I feel. Absolutely. I mean, that's like I said, it's, it's the man, it's like the foundation to success is the, the key. You know, I mean, to 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 unlocking the doors of success, opportunities, whatever the case may be. And it's um, it's belief. I mean, that one word, you know, what I mean, speaks for so many different areas, the belief, you know, what I mean, the belief that you might have. So, for instance. um. Some of the beliefs I have, I have a belief that I'm the source to my emotions and no one, no one will ever be able to really directly affect how I feel unless I will allow it. That's a belief. Mm. And it's another belief, belief that uh, whatever, whatever I can imagine I can achieve. That's another belief. And look at, and there's so many people who have these unconscious beliefs, probably don't even know it. But it's the reason that's driving their behavior, driving their decisions is because of their lacking or their limiting belief system in the first place. And a lot of people don't even look to to look in a, you know, what I mean, like that's the that's the first place. Sometimes we really need to alter our limiting belief system. It shifts everything. Why do you think some people like lose belief? So, like, let's say you've got you've got somebody, you know, somebody you see somebody who's like working their way through. They're checking off some of these huge action steps to get to massive action, but they start to fade in belief, but like they have belief and it's gone. Like, where does that go? Like, why do you think it, it's gone or not gone, but maybe on pause? It could come from, from a variety of reasons. Uh, one reason could be because they attach so much to the, the, the result itself. If they're not seeing the result, maybe they start to lose a little bit of confidence, a little bit of belief to say it's something like, I don't think this is going to work. I don't, I mean, this is not working or I'm not capable of doing it. And maybe I should just give up. This is not for me. It's not meant for me. I mean, so many different mm. that, 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 that could, you know I mean, be transpired from just not seeing the necessary results when our efforts and our actions and attention, energy putting forth is not quite on the same level as our results. I mean, it's, it can get discouraging. I mean, to say the least. And I think like, you know, you can always put a great example on that in the gym, but I think you can also see that in like, just like daily life with like changes. Let's say you're trying to, to be a better husband. And so then you find yourself, no matter what you're doing at that moment, maybe you're not getting that back. And so then that belief starts to fade a little bit, or maybe you're at your work and you're doing the things you need to do, but you're not getting that positive and that positive feedback yet, man, that belief can fade a little bit. And so you're saying, as soon as that fades, man, you'll start to go backwards rather than continue to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at a person's I mean, look at, once again, look at a person's behavior. What A person's behavior when they don't actually have the belief back behind it, how much potential will it be able to tap? Mm -hmm. Very little. With very little potential, how much action are they liable to take? Very little. 
Now, with little potential being tapped into, little action being taken, how much results would they actually get? Very little, probably none at all. Now, what did that do after that? It reinforces the mind. It reinforces the belief that, you know what? It didn't work. I know it wouldn't work. So that's mm -hmm. a reinforcement. And now it's only reinforcing the, the, the belief system even further. Now they start off with even lesser belief, taking even lesser action, tapping into lesser potential, and still not getting any results. And now, man, that just validates. That's, and what I hear in that is just validating, right? Like I've got that negative mindset. Man, it's so much easier now to sit on the couch, watch Netflix and eat, eat my Ben and Jerry's rather than get up and do that work. Man, it's so much easier to show up to work late than to get there on time. Man, it's so much easier to like leave early rather than finish my stuff. Just validating, constantly validating. Constantly reinforcing it, giving it more mm -hmm. energy. Now it, that, that small belief is growing and it's getting bigger. Now it's dominating you. Now you're dominated with a limiting belief system because it's constantly reinforcing you. I mean, you constantly trying to take action or not even taking enough action. The potential you're tapping into little at best, not getting any results as a result of it. And now it's just reinforcing the mind, reinforcing the belief that, damn, I told you it wouldn't work. I knew it wouldn't work. How do you recommend someone assess their belief system? Assess like, hey, do I, what, what do I believe about this? Like, how, how can you assess that? You know what? That that is a choice. It is always a decision. And man, I'm damn. Now we get to the power of decisions. That's a force in its own right. I mean, it's one of the most powerful, invisible forces there is. I mean, it's a force that determines our destiny. When we're talking about decisions, there are three decisions that we make every second of our lives, whether consciously or unconsciously. The first decision, we decide what to focus on. Um, whatever you're thinking about, it creates an emotional state. It, the economy is up right now. It's bad. Some person can focus on it being an opportunity. Or you know what? Because it's bad like this, I'm going to go head on. I'm going to buy more stock. I'm going to really dump into the sale that they're having right now with stock. Another person can focus on, damn, it's bad right now. Now I'm in fear. And you know what I mean? I, I need to save more money. I can't go out. And damn, everything's, everything's coming down. I don't know why that economy's doing this. But what we choose to focus on is one decision. Second decision is what we choose, to, what meaning to give it. We choose what meaning to give what we're focused on. Is this the end or the beginning? Is this an opportunity or this is, uh, this is failure? Is this a blessing or is this something that I'm doomed to, 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 to have or be? I mean, it's, it's so many meanings that we give, the things that we're focused on, that out of that meaning, it creates an emotional state. And an emotional state determines the third decision, your decision of what action you're gonna take next. So that's three decisions we're making every day, every second of our lives. We choose what to focus on. Then we choose what meaning to give it. And out of that meaning, we choose what action are we going to take next? Mm. And when you do that, you can begin to see that one, you're going to look at other viewpoints of the belief system. So if you believe that you can't do something, maybe you can, but then also things that are happening around you, you'll have a new belief too. For you, So as you're making this movement, now you're in the massive action. You've, you've done these things. You've got this new belief system. You've made these decisions. You're doing this action. What, what do you think keeps people from just being consistent with the action? I'm a firm believer that a lack of commitment like I'm, a, I'm a, like, I'm huge on commitment. And I believe that our level of commitment, you know what I mean, determines what kind of results we get. And our levels of commitment are all different. I mean, there's, there's the Kobe Bryant of the world. I'm talking about his obsession with the game. His obsession with progress was, man, was, um, it was second to none. I've never seen out of an athlete, I've never seen any athlete take the game as serious as Kobe Bryant did, I'm talking about there was no going out. There's stories of this guy where everybody on the team, I'm talking about these are millionaires. You know what I mean? They can have fun if they want to. I mean, they're going out and stuff like that. Kobe Bryant decides to go back to the hotel. He's training in the gym while they're out partying. Level of commitment, you know what I mean? I believe would determine the, the level of your results that you get. And not everybody's level of commitment is the same. Like I said, it's level to it. And... You know, it's one of those things where, and I, it, I, I hate being philosophical about it, and I won't be philosophical about it. It's one of those things where even after I said everything that I said and all the people that you bring on to the podcast, all of the information 
and motivators there is today on social media. I mean, you would have to hide. You would have to hide away from the motivation these days. It's everywhere if you choose to seek it out. The motivation is everywhere. But yet there's still people who can't get themselves to take massive action or the necessary action. I mean, I just see it as only a handful or a handful would do it, do what's necessary, and the majority won't. I mean, it's really, really that simple with me. The, a small percentage of people will do what's necessary, will go through the pains of discipline, the pains of commitment, you know what I mean, the pains of sacrifice, and then the majority just won't. I mean, there's I don't have an explanation for, you know, what I mean, the 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 a deeper why behind it. Well, you know, kind of what I hear in that too is that you know, in, in your principal concepts and what you're talking about, you're still moving and doing, even though you may not be in massive action, you can still be in the gym. Even though you may not be fully in massive action, you may be getting to work early. Maybe if you're not into massive action, you're still trying to be a better husband or a better wife or whatever that looks like. But when you're really in massive action, that's a whole different world. That's more than just a behavior of like, hey, man, I'm showing up at the gym today. Or, hey, man, I'm going to eat a better diet today. Like you're doing a whole behavior concept that is validating the belief that you have about yourself, which is way more than just being excited about being in the gym on day one. Absolutely. So when I say massive action, I don't want to. I don't want the interpretation of, you know what I mean, to, to really be misconstrued. I mean, the, the massive portion of it, yeah, I know that can seem like, okay, you got to be doing a whole bunch of shit, you know what I mean, like behind it, if you want to use the word massive. Not necessarily, I'm not even insinuating that. What I'm talking about is a person who don't feel like doing something particular, but they still have the ability to give themselves a command to do it, despite how they feel. And they follow through a massive action with that command. I mean, for me, that's the that's massive. I mean, that's the that's the massive portion of it because that's what that's what that's the that's the challenge of a lot of people. The majority being able to give yourself the command to do something, even when you don't feel like doing it, but then following through with that command with action. That's mm. the challenge that a lot of people have. That's the I think that's the main one of the main challenges to get a person yeah. themselves to take massive action to take some kind of action, and that's an ability. And we can build that ability. And everything that we're talking about right now stems from within. Nothing we were talking about, none, nothing we've said so far in this podcast is external based. All of this is mm. inter- all of this is intrinsic. And we can build these things. We can develop these things. But it takes time. It takes repetition. It takes a period of time to build the muscle of discipline. We just can't think it's going to come overnight. I mean, it's just like a physical muscle. I didn't build the bicep by just doing three curls or maybe three sets of 15 curls. No, I did it time and time again. I mean, the, rep- the rep- repetitiveness of me doing a particular thing over a period of time allowed me to build a muscle, a physical muscle. And now emotional muscles, it's the same way. I mean, repetition is the mother's skill. I mean, in order mm-hmm. to build these skills, develop these skills, the skill of discipline, we really have to, we really have to, Give it time and repetition will build it. But now it involves action. Action is the only way you can build discipline. Discipline is built through action. Momentum is created through action. Momentum requires us to always do the next thing. That's how we stay in a state of momentum. It requires us to do the next thing. So that's 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 kind of real, like that's validating. And I mean, my belief of that massive action is the cure all to everything. Yeah. And what I hear in that too, is just that, that awesome word of discipline, right? So that discipline that you're doing something over and over and over and how tough that is for people, because I think no matter what you're trying to do, I think, I mean, I mean, we're talking about just like a couple of different concepts, but you can look at any behavior change in your life, even once you have this high value on it. So we talk a lot about value systems of being able to say that this has a higher value than that other, that pleasure principle concept that you were talking about earlier. But then to be able to move out of that and to say, I'm going to do this over and over and over, even when I don't feel like I want to do it. How, how do you build discipline? How do you find that? I didn't find discipline. Um, it was built, it was developed over a period yeah. of time. It's um, a I, skill. I, yeah. It's a skill. I play sports. Um, so I know a lot of it came from sports as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I competed. 
I mean, the competition portion of it, that's like the ultimate form of discipline. I mean, Chelsea, I tell you, you know firsthand from your wife. I mean, it's like the ultimate form of self-discipline. Eating the same boring-ass foods, the, the monotonous routine, going up, going to the gym, waking up 5 a.m. every morning. Then you got two days, waking up in the morning, doing cardio, going to the gym late on just to do weights and another session of cardio. I mean, just the, the monotony in that, I mean, doing the same thing, eating the same things over and over and over. I mean, putting yourself in the, the most uncomfortable position, situation, and man, are you, do you think you're not going to grow from that kind of, that kind mm-hmm. of situation, that kind of discomfort? You know I mean, I mean, I'm a firm believer that pain produces growth. I mean, in every way there is, I mean, in every way growth can be produced. I mean, it comes from pain and discomfort. I mean, man, I think that's such an important concept that you're bringing up in, in this world of discipline. It's going to be monotonous. I see it a lot in like addiction treatment where like, you know, people are living like these, these wild lifestyles and there's so much going on and, and it, there's just so much drama and chaos and all these things. And so one of the biggest ways to like maintain their sobriety is to have discipline in a routine. So like you're getting up every day, you're making your bed, just these basic, these basic tasks. And what I'm hearing in that is even though that it's monotonous, because it's going to be like, you're going to lose enjoyment of doing these things. It sucks to eat terrible, you know, really bland food. It sucks training for three hours a day but you are going to grow from it because the pain of that is going to lead to growth. That, and we can leverage it. Like once I said the, the whole gaining leverage, the, the pain and pleasure portion of it, we can, uh, we can change our associations. We can change what we associate pain to. A lot of us might associate pain to the regimen, mm. associate pain to waking up at 5 a.m., associate pain to going to the gym Known as raining. We associate too much pain to doing what we know we need to be doing. And uh. I think we need to really uh, change our association with the whole pain and pleasure. We really need to get to a point where we're able to associate pain to not doing it. I mean, and that's the difference. That is the distinction. The, uh, associate massive pain to not changing our behavior, massive pain to not doing that particular thing. Because where it would lead me if I didn't do it, it's too painful for me to even imagine. It's too, pa- too painful for me to even grasp mentally. I couldn't imagine being in the same goddamn place in life two years from today based on right. an act that I'm not taking right now, based on a behavior I'm not changing right now. That is painful for me, man. That is painful for me to be in the same situation, same overweight situation. I'm still popping pills, blood pressure, uh, you mean cholesterol is high. It's too painful. Now, it's crazy. And I think you can attest to this as well. You have experience in this area as well. It's, there can be a person, I've had experience with this. There's, a, there's people who've tried to change things, right? I mean, of course, the community wasn't high enough and things of that nature. They didn't get leverage. They didn't raise their standards. But they would say they tried. Oh, I tried to eat better. It didn't work. And I mean, I didn't stay on it long. And whatever the case may be, they tried. These people are in their 50s, late 40s, maybe 60s, right? Then one day they go to the, to the doctor. And the outcome of that visit, they get a bad medical report. How is it that a person who's tried to change for 20 plus years but couldn't do it, after a bad medical report, they make the change in an instant. Mm. What is that? That is pain. Mm. If a person was to say, if a, if a person got the bad medical report, that you know, you're, you're borderline diabetic, and we know, you know what I mean, what we associate to, to, to being a diabetic. I mean, we know the pain that we associate to that, what can happen, the amputation, whatever the case may be. You know I mean, you got kids, um, a, a person that knows they need to make a change and they can end up losing their life if they didn't, creating cancer within a body. I mean, you can end up losing your life, even behind loved ones. And at that moment, a person chooses to change because of how painful that outcome would be. When they could have done this years and years and years ago, and they actually do it when they got the bad medical report. But they didn't just do it. They did it in an instant. In an instant. That's to let you know that what we're capable of doing it's extraordinary. But what we actually will do is oftentimes disappointing. 
It's not, it's not that we're not capable of doing it. It's because we get dominated by our own selves, our own mental and emotional states. We're dominated by it. It holds us back. We hold ourselves back. We get in our own way. This entire time, we have the ability to make a shift in an instant. And science will tell you this. We can shift our states in an instant. And I, I know a lot of people may have the philosophy that change doesn't happen overnight. Where in some cases, I believe that to be true. But I'm not the, that's not my take on it. I'm not a, a, I'm not a firm believer in that because I've exposed myself to so much, so many testimonials and science where a person was able to associate so much pain to a particular behavior that they was able to change in an instant, in an instant. And it I've wasn't seen, that that result wasn't an instant. That change was instant. No, that, yeah, I, I, yeah. it's just a change. I've seen people quit smoking after 30 plus years of, of, of trying. And in an instant, because they associated so much massive pain, here's the story of a guy who, you know, he smoked nearly his entire adult life, probably 30 plus years. Then, uh, you know, his daughter comes in a room one day after her seeing a commercial of how bad cigarette smoking is. Daughter comes to him, starts crying, telling him, dad, dad, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm scared that you will die. And the guy said, what? Die from what? And the girl said, I've seen a commercial, bad commercial of smoking, and you always smoke. And the guy in his mind, that was enough pain for him to actually give up the smoking because the pain he associated with seeing his daughter cry because of him smoking was more painful than him actually giving up the smoking. So at that point now, he didn't want to see his daughter hurt. So at that point, he gave up the smoking. After 30 plus years of trying, but it was just that one moment, that one occurrence that actually shifted this guy's whole state of mind. How do you, so when you look at that, like I, I see that so many times, right? Like you'll see it in the couple who like, you know, it, it takes that almost divorce. You see that person, it takes that that going to jail to stop using that substance. It takes, you know, getting shot at to stop running with that crew. It takes, I mean, all these different things. How can you, I mean, can you create it in somebody or can you create it yourself to, to make that shift before it goes to that extreme? Or a, for some people, do you have to? That's a great question. The mind doesn't know the difference between what's experienced and what's imagined. And now we could get into something called imagined experiences. Now we can create the pain ahead of time in our own minds, but it has to be done with an intense emotion. We have to get emotion behind us. We have to make this imagined experience real within us. It just can't be some intellectual thought. You know what I mean? I know it's going to create pain for me. No, we have to get intense emotion. It's the emotion behind it, the feeling behind it that makes it real before it even happens. I mean, and this goes, this goes for other areas. This goes for the power of belief. I mean, is I mean, first within, then without. I mean, that's the order of life. I mean, we have to see it first within us. We have to see it first being done until we actually achieve it, until we actually being able to do it. I mean, that's the order of life. And, and we can leverage that as well. We can create that pain within us without having experienced it first. I mean, it's called imagined experiences, not just physical experiences. So yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Man, you know, what I hear in that is just the immersiveness within it. Like that, you know, emotion codes in such a heavy way in the brain. It's so powerful. And so for so many people, whether you're trying to make this change, step one, what you're saying is you've got to have this immersive shift. You've got to have this immersive belief. And if you haven't, and it sounds like there are people, and I've seen people in this place too. Heck, I've probably been in this place before. Like you've made a change. But you, you haven't really thought it out yet. Like, you haven't really thought about why the heck am I doing this? You're just like, man, this sounds like a good idea. And when that discipline starts to wane, that's what you've got to go back to. Is you've got to work this thing out in your head of this is what this looks like. This is me in a wheelchair with an amputated leg because I didn't manage my blood sugar. This is me living in a, you know, a single apartment by myself because my girlfriend or my wife left me. You got to work it through this entire thing to maintain that discipline. And when you just mentioned the whole person in the wheelchair and, and all the other the, the people who experiences that kind of pain, I mean, that's that's the motives, that's strong motives. Once again, motive, motivation is only motives to action. And with strong enough motives, strong enough reasons, we can bring ourselves to action, but they just can't be any reason. They have to be strong enough. The why has to be strong. Mm. It's the why that, that keeps 
that keeps a person up late at night after coming back from his nine to five, having a child at home, you know what I mean? Feeding the child, helping his wife, but then stand up after this, I mean, when they're going to sleep and just to work on his, his side business, just to grow that business so he can get out of his nine to five. His reason why is strong. It keeps him up late at night, have to wake up early in the morning. That reason why. So, you know I mean? We what have is the have- Whedon, not, not to cut you off, but what, why do you think the reason why can fade for so many people? Like you see so much that like you get that fire and then it's like, ah, oh, man, you know, well, I'll, I'll do it later. Ah, oh, you know, I'll work on that side hustle like on Saturday and then Saturday comes and it's like, oh, what's well, nice outside. I'm going to go hang out outside. Like, where do you think the why is so powerful in certain instances, but can fade for other people? For one thing, um, you know, cause I train a lot of high achievers, you know what I mean? I'm around a lot of high achievers and, the people with strong whys, strong reasons, they don't really, you know what I mean? They don't really stray away from it all too often. They, I mean, they're focused, yeah. they're obsessed. There's an obsession, you know what I mean? With a particular activity, a particular task at hand. There's an obsession with that. There's an obsession to build a business with these people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly studying certain types of people. I mean, different demographics, different percentages of the, of the population and, the coding is different. The, the mental coding is different. The, the level of discipline is different, but it's, they just get it done. I mean, your ability to execute, I mean, it's, it, it matters. It really matters. With, the, with these people choosing to focus on how they utilize their time, it's all different. I mean, these people just operate at a different level. So it's when it's almost as if you're, if you're not doing those things. So if you get that idea and you're not following through, it's really not a why problem. It's really a follow through problem, you know, because like if your why is strong enough, you're going to be consistent with it. So if you're not doing it, either your why is too weak or you're just not, you're not following through. Hmm. So say if you started, right, like how you said. And then you find yourself not being able to follow through. That's only self-sabotage. I mean, self-sabotage is only, and its most simplistic definition is in some way, shape, or form, we constantly stop ourselves from following through what we, what we know we need to be doing. All we're doing is stopping ourselves from following through. That's a form of self-sabotage. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. And there's and then at that point, it's um not it's there's so many it's back to beliefs, right? And so if I'm sabotaging, it's back to my belief system. Like I, I probably don't think I'm good enough to be doing it anyways. Of course, that's uh, that's one of them. Of course, I mean, there's a there's a spectrum of it. Once again, it's, it's the beliefs. I mean, it's it's committing ourselves to a particular task at hand, no matter the 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 conditions, no matter the environment. I mean, I must stay committed to this. Like I said, our levels of commitment are all different. I like it, man. I mean, it's just so much, so powerful. It's so much stuff. And I think for anybody out there, like whatever you're trying to do right now, I, what I hear in this is that you're probably going to be in somewhere within these four principles. Either you're not even doing them yet, or you're somewhere in these four principles. And so what, what I would ask is that if someone's looking to, mag, I guess, take one of these principles and continue this concept, how can they learn more about it? How can they see it? How can they find it in this work that you've been doing, Justin? Um, you mean as, as far as like a piece of information? Uh, yeah, just like how can they gather more information on this? Um, let me see. It is, you got to understand, I, I, I model, and I mean, one of the greatest, one of the pioneers of, um, of, of change. And we're talking about building businesses and creating change within the world and, and really has been considered the, the top guy in this industry. For, for the last past decades, and we're talking about Tony Robbins, that's who mm-hmm. I modeled. And I'm talking about the, the my readings, my learnings, mm-hmm. and I mean, all throughout the years has really been able to, has allowed me to be able to, to formulate and develop this, this ultimate recipe for change, the ultimate recipe for being able to, 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 for, to get a person to close the gap between where they are now in life and what, what they want to be in life. And I would definitely How did you seek that. How did you seek that out? Were you like Googling stuff? Did you like have people around you that was doing that? Like if you're just the average human kind of working through of like, how do I need to make a shift in my life? Where, where, where would they go to kind of find that knowledge? 
personal development, a journey of personal development is um that's that's where I achieve my, you know, what I mean, my my most profound growth. Everything involves personal development. I mean, me, me adding more value to me, uh, improving my skill set, my mindset, you know, what I mean, my belief system, modeling other people. And like I said, the my first, my my first um bit of direction was that first book, The Think and Grow Rich. And long story short, it just came from reading. It came from seeking mm. out more. I mean, that's, and that's the thing. You have to seek it out. I mean, seeking, you shall find. If you're in a state of hunger, and here's the thing, it's, once again, we got to go back to states. I mean, emotion is the, it's the force, I mean, that controls everything. I mean, we're talking about emotion, emotional states. And hunger is the most ultimate form of an emotion. Hunger mm. in that state, you can find the answers. In that state of hunger, even if you don't have the resources around you, you can go out and find the resources. If you, want, if you don't have resources around you to invest in that business, to, to, to give you that capital that you need to start the business, with enough hunger, you can go out there and you can go out and find the resources. You can find the capital to invest. I mean, that's the ultimate state. And for me, I lived in that state for a long time. I was hungry, of, of course, I was focused as well. My focused energy allowed me to, 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 to go in a particular direction without allowing for any, uh, any distractions, that focused energy uh, with a particular thing at hand. I mean, that's, that's another one of my, my, my most powerful assets, my, my focus. But in that, I was just seeking out material, seeking out how to get from here to here, seeking out how to improve the overall quality of my life. And like I said, seeking you shall find. And I started coming upon so many different clues because all successful people leave clues behind. Everybody mm. who gets divorced, they leave clues behind. Everybody who has what we want in some way, shape, or form, they've left some piece of clue behind for you to get started on something. So starting somewhere, starting at something, you could be able to build from there. And that, and that sometimes that's that's the hardest step for a person to, to actually start because they feel in their minds, I don't know where to start. It's not always the case. Yeah. And then they won't seek. And I think that's something that, that I got from the models. I mean, there's so much information, but step one is, is you've got to start seeking. You, you've got to start looking. And then if anything begins to fade, just keep seeking. And I think no matter who, you know, no matter what change you're trying to make, just keep seeking, you know, don't get caught up in just like certain influencers and don't get caught up in things on like social media, like seek from the people that have been successful doing it. Not about the people who are just talking about it. Of course. And then find those people that are living it every day. Exactly. And that's a form of modeling. We can model, mm. we can model those people that you just mentioned. We can model their, be their belief system. We can model their behavior. We can model how they use their body, how they use their physiology, their physical body, how they, how they focus. You know what I mean? The, the level of commitment they have, the level of discipline they have. I mean, and that's a form, that's all forms of clues. As well, I mean, they're left behind. I mean, it's just a matter of really committing to that journey of um constant and never-ending improvement. Something I always put on my goddamn post: constant and never-ending improvement, massive action. And that's an infinite journey. Mm. That's a journey that's, that doesn't end. Constant and never-ending improvement. And if I have a belief that if you're not growing, you're dying. I have a belief. I mean, that, that's one of absolutely agree. Belief. Yeah, absolutely. Man, thank you. Thank you so much, Justin. I, th I mean, I think the information is so awesome. You know, for people who are listening out there that kind of want to follow you, where can they find your stuff at? Like, what, where does that, where's that at? Um, you can definitely catch me on Instagram at Justin Crutchfield. It's all one word. My first name, last name, um, mainly on, mainly on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well. You can catch me at the same name, Justin Crutchfield, but I'm bigger on Instagram. That's my, that's my main source of, um, of content. Yeah. And, and I'll post that information on, on my Instagram as well as on, on the podcast and there in the bio, because I think, I know I get a lot of benefit just from watching a lot of your videos and just that fire up so many times me and Chelsea are like, do you see that just a video today? Do you, when you feel, you feeling fired up from that just a video today. And it's crazy. And I, and it's something that I definitely want to leave off. I want to leave off by saying this. Um, Cause once again, this is there's information in this, in this, in this um, piece of podcast, I mean, and others that has been on your, your podcast as well, all leaving clues as well. So my suggestion, my advice for you guys who are watching this is don't not leave the site without taking some form of action because motivation, 
unacted on, all it does is fades. Passion unexpressed, it dies. And we're talking about faith. Faith untested, it weakens. Mm. Momentum unused, all it does is fades. So we have to take massive action to gain the motivation, to keep that going. And motivation turns into momentum. Momentum requires you for you to do the next thing. Now we built the momentum. Now we have some form of leverage. Now we can continue this thing going and until we get to the next point of our lives. I mean, that's the, the best way I can put it. Do not leave the site without taking some form of action because if you're motivated right now, that motivation will not last. It dies, it wears off. I mean, it's only temporary. It's commitment that allows us to keep going, to stay in this game, to stand in long, long term. So take action, motivation unacted on, all it does is fades. I love it, man. Thank you. Thank you for the knowledge. Thank you for the wisdom, man. I know everybody else is going to love this too. Uh, Following me at Justin Crutchfield. Uh, man, if you're not fired up after this podcast, I don't know what's going to fire you up, man. Uh, get after it. Get hey, after yo. it. Blessings to everything, man. You're doing great out there. Chelsea, last time I trained her, um, had nothing but great things to say about her staying in Florida, man. That's a great thing. You know, man? I'm, I'm happy for the success. I'm happy for everything, for the happiness itself. Awesome. Thanks, man. You know, it's just doing, trying to live out the things that you're talking about. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, we're so young within it, but just trying to live it out. And I think that's everybody and just knowing and everything you talk about, we try to apply in our own lives. We, we seek it. We do these things. And it's hard. There's tough times. There's all these things. But man, if you're consistent and you're disciplined, you're absolutely going to find it.